The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Source of Truth Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us again and thank you for starting off your week this Monday uh, with the Word of God and in fellowship and just with others. I understand unique when I say with others, as you might be by yourself or on co-workers or on break or watching this or listening to this later uh, by yourself, but uh, we know many other are still participating as well with this. And uh, so we're glad that you're one of the many who have jumped on board and are listening and are participating. Again, we thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of what you're doing and part of your daily life just for a few moments each day. And even if you take a bit and catch up later uh, through a podcast or something like that, we're just glad you're going along with us on this journey as we go through uh, these crazy times. Truly, there's a lot of noise, a lot of static, a lot of opinions out there. And while I'm not here necessarily to give you my opinion, I'm here to just study the Word of God. Uh, it is encouraging that I get the chance to do this. It's a great challenge for me, and I'm enjoying it, and hope it's an encouragement to you as well. This morning, we're going to look at a very unique passage of Scripture. When I say unique, again, I, I often talk about the fact that I think uh, the Bible is so relevant for today. Too many people, I think, are trying to make the Bible relevant. They're trying to take out certain aspects of Scripture or trying to say, well, you know, I don't know about this and about that, and ignoring uh, some really simple basic truths and forgetting the fact that when God wrote the Bible and gave it to these authors to put in, in physical form for us, he knew what 2020 would be like, and he knew what our hearts would be like, and he knew what the challenges of today would be. And so when, when he put it out there, there it, remember, as Alma said, there's no new thing under the sun. What they struggle with in their heart back in the Bible days, we do as well today. So I, I, I want you to remember that when we look at the Word of God, the Word of God is, probably, is without a doubt the most relevant book uh, for today. So I'm glad you're with us, and I hope this will be a help today. But Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, we're gonna st I'm going to start just reading the first few verses. And really what the, this chapter breaks down, the beginning of the chapter talks about, it's kind of like wisdom and uh, sin, sinful lifestyles. Two of those things are competing with each other, kind of like saying, here's the opportunity to live in wisdom and a great life that comes with it. And here is uh, what happens or the, the, the kind of sin saying, hey, join me, join me. But in the middle, it talks about kind of the, the conflict between the two. So Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom hath builded her house, she has hewn out her seven pillars, verse 2. She has killed her beast, she has mingled her wine, she has also furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens, she crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live, and go in the way of understanding. So these first six verses... Uh, spend the time talking about wisdom, saying, listen, uh, there is a good life. I have a house, I have food, I have things to offer you. A lot of times we get the idea, and, and it's something the world brings to us, or Satan lies to us, that uh, it's a lot of fun to live in sin, but not necessarily so much to live holy or to live walk with God. We get this wrong version of the idea of holiness. Holiness is kind of like a monk. I have to dress a certain way and act a certain way, and I can never get married, never have fun, never smile, never enjoy the pleasures of life. And, I, and the greater and more miserable I am, 
the more spiritual I become. Sometimes we say that my spirituality and my closeness to God is not necessarily based upon my love for God or my actions. It's based on all the things I don't do, all the things I've given up. And while there are things in Scripture we've been told not to do, that is not the epitome of, of spirituality. I think sometimes we sit back and say, well, I don't do this and I don't do this. Man, I, I'm really holy. And, and God comes down and asks, well, are you doing the things that I've asked in Scripture? So I, I challenge us today to, to not look at, at life in the year following God as miserable because to be honest with you, the pleasures that come with it are just as enjoyable. Um, I understand Satan sells a very different pack. In fact, he begins in verse 13, A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house, on the seat of the high places of the city. Then she calls. Basically, you've got this woman again trying to attract men in. And, uh, and while the world sells it as fun, while Satan sells it as fun, and, and while sin has pleasure for a season, uh, the ultimate pain that comes later is never sold in this point. It's one of the great benefits of a life serving the Lord and following Him and not just following my flesh and sin is there's so much um, struggle that comes with the sinful life or there's so much freedom that comes. I, you don't wake up the next day saying, what happened last time? I don't know. You don't, you don't wake up saying, man, I hope I don't get caught or hope no one finds out or I'm embarrassed it's on YouTube or it's on Facebook or Instagram. You, you don't do that. Uh, you wake up the next day and you move on with your life because you're, you're, you're living a life that you will try to be pleasing to God and, and yet there's still got a joy and pleasure in that as well. So don't get that wrong point. But in that, in the middle of these two extremes in Proverbs chapter 9, uh, we have a unique uh, section of scripture where Solomon is kind of talking about there's the battle. There's the battle in the heart between the first section of, of the life of wisdom and then the th last section of life of sin, and, and he talks about the battle in the heart and really comes down to correction because really what happens is if I'm going to leave a life of sin and I'm going to go to a life of serving God, I must acknowledge the wrong of sin. I must acknowledge my heart in it. I must get right with God, which means I must take some correction. Uh, but let me be honest with you. Most of us don't like correction. We don't like to be told what to do. Uh, we don't like to be told what not to do. We don't like to be told when we've been wrong. Uh, we're pretty okay with people telling us when we've done right. But we don't necessarily like to be told when we're wrong. Uh, we, we immediately, I'm talking unsaved and saved alike, but our flesh immediately, mm, okay, so boss catches you and says, hey, you didn't do this or gets on your case. What is usually, at least our flesh, one of the first things that goes through our mind when somebody, a peer or a boss, uh, decides to point out something they want us to work on. Well, the first thing that goes through our minds, at least through the flesh, is, well, let me point out the five things you did wrong today, or let me point out how you bobbed at this. Let me point out how, if it weren't for me, this would be falling apart. And we immediately, in our pride, jump to a level of defense. We don't like that. We struggle with that. This, this can be said in preaching, too. Uh, one of the things I strive not to do is be one of those beating on topics, and, and I don't like the whole, you know, use the pulpit as a whipping post style preaching, but there are times where the Word of God is very straightforward, and you preach the Word of God as it is. And sometimes we don't like that. We sit back, mm, I don't know about that. Let's, let's, say, let's say the preacher you're listening to this Sunday begins to preach, just preaches a whole message against sin. What do we do? We walk away saying, man, what is wrong with that pastor? He must be involved in a lot of sin to preach a message like that. Or he must be mad at his wife. Or, or he must have had an argument with somebody in the church this week. And, and our mind begins to roam. Why? Because we don't, we struggle. Our flesh struggles with this level of correction. You see it in our culture today. Our culture struggles massively with being told, don't do this. In fact, the more they're told, don't do something, 
The more they want to flip out. There's riots just recently over a, uh, a black gentleman that was shot by police. And as sad as that is, we sit back and, oh, we want the police put in jail. But oh, I saw yesterday, you, you forget the fact that this gentleman was carrying a gun. Uh, you know, if you, you bring a gun out, you're likely going to, if you brandish a gun to the police, you're going to get in trouble. But no one wants to talk about the personal responsibility side of this. No one wants to say, hey, I stole something. It's my fault. No one wants, you see that politics even today, all this junk. No one wants to take responsibility. And it comes down to a heart condition. It comes down to a uh, humility and a willingness to listen. And so we're going to take the last few minutes and look at a section of scripture that really breaks down uh, the great battle and where our hearts. I remember we talked about the fact that uh, Proverbs talks about there's a simple man, there's the fool, there's a scorner, and then there's the wise man. Four descriptions of the type of person we can be. So he's going to break down some of that. Um, and it's starting verse 6. So he, he's, wisdom is trying to tell you, don't, there's some things to stay away. And he says in verse 6, forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. He goes, listen, the foolish people, there's a reason they're called foolish. They're, they're, they have too much knowledge to be simple. Because some people who come, they're new to church, uh, they're learning, they're growing. Some have just chosen, you know, they don't really, they don't really grow. They're just kind of stuck where they were when they got saved, you know, 15 years ago. Maybe simple. But some, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Some have been in church. They've, they grew up in church. They know the truth. And yet they choose to ignore it. They're not a scorner per se. They're not fighting against the truth. But boy, they don't want anything to do with it. They are foolish. And he says, listen, forsake that, that way, that thinking, and live. What's the alternative of not for, of following it? Go in the way of understanding. Now, then he talks about some truth that comes to, hey, let me tell you if you're a leader, a spiritual leader, a work a boss, or a friend or whatever, and you try to go to someone, you try to correct a, a, a scorner, here's what happens. And he rebu reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Now, there's two very distinct points. Now, the scorner is somebody that not only wants nothing to do with God, they're fighting against it. They do everything they can. They, uh, when they don't like the preaching, they find a way to criticize the preacher. When they don't like the direction of the church, they find a way to cause discord. They don't like this, they go to other people and they complain about, hey, what about that? This preacher's this, this problem that, uh, this deacons are this or that. And, they, and they're doing everything they can to sow discord. Uh, we read that just, just a chapter or two ago. And uh, why? Because as a scorner, there's just a level of anger, bitterness, sin in their life, and they're just going to fight anything. They won't always look angry. They won't always look frustrated. They're not always the angry kid in the corner, you know, with a look on his face. Sometimes, uh, as we read not long, not long ago, they deceive people with kindness and the winking of the eye and all these things, but they are a scorner. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to go against whatever it is they've been frustrated by. But it comes down to a heart condition because he says, uh, reprove, reprove, uh, reprove not a scorner. Don't correct them. It's because that person is just going to hate you. They don't, they don't care about truth. They don't care about right and wrong. They don't care about becoming better or getting right with anybody. They just hate. They'll, they'll hate what you're doing. And then if you do it, they hate you. And then, man, you just start a problem. It just gets worse. Uh, today, sometimes they're known as uh, malignant narcissist or something, where if you come at me and you correct me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you. And, and uh, so uh, that's how it seems. But in the scripturally, they're just scorners. Uh, but here's the thing. Rebuke. Now, notice the difference between reprove and rebuke. Reprove is pointing out an option. Rebuking is stronger. So I can't even point out the weakness of a scorner. 
but rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Think about this. A scorner will hear the correction. It only brings anger. A wise person rebuked. There's part of their flesh that won't like it, but they'll understand how it will help them. And that wisdom helps them to grow. And so if I can grow from this, I will love this. I sat across from a preacher friend of mine years ago. Uh, we sat back when there used to be Ruby Tuesdays across from the Chamonix Mall. And uh, he and I were talking, he was an evangelist, and I asked him, what was it like uh, when you go into these churches? How, you know, do you get a lot of correction? And he said often, he was young, we were both younger at the time, and, and he was saying that often he'd come in and uh, either other evangelists or preachers would sit down and kind of give him a whole list of things he could do better. And inevitably that's frustrating. A lot of times these people didn't know him well, but I asked him, I said, how, how do you handle that? And he said, you know, if God's going to allow that person, if their person's going to take time to talk to me, I can grow from this. He said, so I grab a sheet of paper and I grab a pen and I write down everything they would say. He said, when I learn, when I write down everything they say, they're less likely to say critical things or, or just kind of exaggerate because it's written down. So, but two, I write it all down. He said, I listen to it because there's going to be something good. Even if they mean it to be critical, I can learn from this. So he said, later in the day, when I was a little more calmed down, I'd pull out that paper and I'd look through it and I would write down everything in that paper. They say, you know, this is right, this is true. I really need to work on this and I need to grow. So he'd write down all the things he needed to grow. Then he would take the sheet of paper that now was just a list of things that he thought were just frustration or criticism on the part of the man, person and he would rip the paper up and throw it away. Kind of like, I'm not going to let those things bother me. And then I would pray over that other list of things I want to grow in. Sat across from that young man, and I tell you, that, it was such a challenge to me. Because the key was not, hey, here's a great pattern. The key was, even in times of frustration and criticism, I can grow from this. That is someone, you rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. What a, what a great truth. Then he goes on in verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet be wiser. He will take the wise man. He will take the wisdom, he will grow in it. He will teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. So the scorner struggles, but think about it. You give wisdom to a wise man, and man, they're just going to grow. Teach, teach this kind of person, and they're going to become better. These are the kind of people that I love to teach because they're not always trying to prove the person wrong or sit back and, and criticize the preacher. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't happen a whole lot. But they're the kind of person that listens and they're learning. And hey, I can learn from this, I can grow in this. You can just kind of see it. They'll often ask questions, how can I grow? Um, just last few weeks, I've been, as I look across the group on a Wednesday night, a little kind of a more intimate setting, and you can, I'm, I'm not on the platform, but I'm down on the platform, on the main floor, and I'm, you know, we're asking questions and talking, and every once in a while you see someone, and you say something, and they, they turn their head like, hmm, I like that. One, at least acknowledges they're listening, but it challenges me to be a little more than just make a phrase. I explain it. That person's striving to learn. There's some wisdom there they want to grow, and that's encouraging to me, and that person's going to be even greater. The fear of the Lord, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me, by wisdom, thy days shall be multiplied. And the years of thy life shall be increased. You'll have a good life, a long life. You'll have a fruitful life. Verse 12, if thou be wise, thou shalt be wise. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise. For thyself, both if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. He says, if you want to be wise and you grow, you will be. Uh, but if thou be a scorner, you'll ultimately bear the problem of it alone. Then he goes on and talks about the sinful lifestyle of the other side. Now, when you look at this, really there's two hearts. When, when I see my wrong and I want to get better, I look at it 
and I say to myself, I need to have a heart that can grow. I will never accept wisdom unless I'm willing to accept correction because wisdom is also often correction. Wisdom, even the word of God, comes in and the Bible says it. It's, a, it's like a sore piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and it breaks down deep and it allows me to see my weaknesses, my sin, and it helps me to become stronger. While part of me doesn't like that, that growing part that wants to please God does. And it understands that mm, it's a little struggle even if a friend, well, a friend should be nice to me. Well, they should only tell me what I want to hear. The Bible tells me that the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. But, you know, it also says iron sharpeneth iron. So the friend sharpeneth the countenance of a friend. You know what iron sharpening iron means? It's two pieces of stone rubbing against each other. What happens? Friction. It breaks off the junk and makes you strong, uh, sharper. If you've ever sharpened a blade or an axe, you go up against a, a stone and, and you allow the friction to make it stronger, sharper, get rid of the junk. So that means iron sharpening iron, that means there's going to be some conflict. And conflict makes me better. If the person does it in, in the right heart, it can help me grow. And it really comes down to my heart, whether I desire to learn and grow. I hope that we will take that truth and examine our heart. Am I one that accepts re reproof, rebuke? Am I one that is wise or am I a scorner? So when I do that, I only hate the people. So here's the question. In the correction I've been given through preaching, through friends, through other scenarios, have I gained it? And I've seen what can I learn from it? Have I only grown in hatred towards the person doing it? It's a great test to evaluate over the last couple of years how have I responded, which would help me to know am I a scorner or am I a wise person? Two extremes. Which one would you find yourself in there today? I encourage you to evaluate that. I mean, if you find yourself on the wrong end, get it right. Get it right, come back to God and grow. And if you don't, then praise the Lord and keep on the right path. Thank you again for joining us uh, for another time together. Uh, we appreciate you starting the week off uh, with us and giving me the opportunity uh, to teach for just a little bit. We hope you have a great week and a great rest of the day. And we look forward to a great week together as we follow God on this journey. Thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great rest of your day.